it knowing God. Um, if I were going to write a book, I would call it Knowing God. Uh, the subtitle would be This is the Life. And uh, I would put in all caps one of those words. I would either say this is the life. Or I would say this is the life. Or I would say this is the life. Um, the word eternal throws us off. Um, we think of eternal life. At least, well, you know, Chad, this, this getting away from uh, being a Christian culture, in some ways, in my mind, is, is helpful. Um, you know, I'd, I've spent a big part of my ministry helping people understand that eternal life is not when you die, uh, but it's knowing God. Uh, when we get on the other side of the Christian uh, society, then people have no concept of what eternal life means. It's a, maybe you'll have it right from the beginning. Uh, but this verse just broke open in my life. Uh, John seventeen three. Uh, this is eternal life that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Because I'd been raised believing that when we die, we would go to heaven, and that was eternal life. Uh, but the day it broke open, I, you know, I can't remember if I was a teenager or early 20s, that I realized everything that I thought about eternal life was true. The only difference was, it's true right now. The day that all of my concept of heaven and the kingdom became a reality now instead of in the future, it changed my life. It changed the way I live. Uh, I am no longer bound by uh, the restraints of what I see, taste, touch, and smell because I am tapped into eternity. It lives in my soul and it is manifesting around me. That's what happens when you get born again. Hallelujah. That's who we are. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, I'm going to talk about knowing God. And then I want to talk about being known by God. And then I want to talk about how knowing and being known really, really applies to us as home fellowship leaders. So I'm taking a well-worn, age-old teaching that I love to come back to, and I want to apply it to us specifically. This is done in your manual, but I don't think it hurts. Uh, hi, Brenda. You missed a great teaching, but I think, did we tape it? All right. Listen to the, listen to the uh, teaching and get the book. Um, so uh, let me go ahead and start with just reviewing knowing God in those verses that, that we always that we always come to. Um, John seventeen three, this is eternal life, and I, I hope you have this memorized or at least uh, you know where it is in your Bible and you can get to it quick. And I, I think this is a good place, Dan, to go if you want to, to help people come into the kingdom. Hey, you know, there is a certain kind of life that only comes from being connected to God. Let me just read this. I was just writing some notes. Before you are a Christian, you are dead to what life is really meant to be. Hard stop. <laughs> After you are born again, the new life in you, if cultivated, will begin to break down the hardened ground of your intellect and your senses. The elements of the world will continue to pack your brain and feelings down in order to harden the heart against the growth in the spirit. So we then must, once born again, 
Be vigilant to cultivate this new life and resist the elements of this world. This new life is a life lived in relationship with God the Father through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's what we're doing. The seed of new life, eternal life, a life lived in relationship with God is in every single person here. And you know that if the sperm of a whale enters the sperm of another whale, then it becomes a whale. What happens if the sperm of God becomes our DNA? Everything that God is abides in us, and it can come to maturity, and it can be perfected. That's who you are. You are born of the seed of God by the Holy Spirit. Say amen. And as a home fellowship leader, your responsibility is to cultivate your own eternal life until it flourishes and becomes nourishment for other members of the body. Let me say that again. Your, your first and primary goal as a home fellowship leader is to nourish that life that's in you until it grows up as nourishment for other people. So then, home fellowship leaders and teams, in our discipleship of other folks, our one primary goal is to cultivate their lives, eternal lives. In other words, our goal is to help them deepen their knowing of God. Let me read some verses, or these are parts of verses. Christ died, that is, he poured out his life to present the church to himself. To present means to bring along beside. Uh, Christ died, he poured his life out so he could bring the church along beside himself. And so, given the same ministry of reconciliation, we say with Paul, him, Christ, we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Jesus poured his life out, life out to present us to himself without spot, without wrinkle, without the stupidity of this world and what it tries to do to us. And he continues to pour himself out to purge us, sanctify us, get rid of all of the uh, the self-identity that's not based in who we really are. And so now we come along beside him and we do the same thing. We are helping people cultivate the life of God that's in them, which will from the inside out overcome this, this, this massive attack on our psychological existence. Um, that's who we are. That's what we're doing. We are feeding the seed of God. We are feeding this new life that are in our believers. And we've always got to bring it back down to that. They are in the image of God. They are born again. And that's what we're feeding. And this life is a life that's lived in relationship with God. Reference the garden. Tree of life, tree of death. Walking with God. 
walking according to your own intellect. Philippians 3, and you know I could talk about John 17, 3 forever. Philippians 3, 7 and 8. I'm going to turn and read that, that one. We really ought to, ought to memorize that one. He said sarcastically. Uh, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. I, I like the starkness of Paul's uh, conversion. Here he is on a road. He's on about a 150-mile trek from Jerusalem up to, Mas to Damascus, which I think was in southern Syria at that time. He may have been riding a horse, but more than likely he was walking. And all of a sudden, this guy who is on his way to haul Christians back to Jerusalem to have them killed is apprehended by a new life. And it is so different that by the time he leaves Damascus, he has to sneak out. Why? Because they're trying to kill him because he's become a Christian. Just think of that stark difference in life. I am going to go, and I'm going to find those people, and I'm going to drag them back. Man, i got to get out of here. They're going to kill me. How amazing is that? What a completely different kind of life. That's how stark it should be to us. We should leave behind everything and see it as nothing but a pile of rubbish compared to the excellency of the knowledge of God. And if we don't have that value, and it's about valuing this relationship with God that causes you to do the things you're supposed to do to have that relationship. A person in love does what has to be done to get to the person. A person who is given responsibility for somebody and think about maybe retirement homes. If they didn't get paid, they wouldn't do it. And they only do it for their personal reward. It's a big difference. You've got to really value it from your heart. You've got to see God. You've got to know Him. And as you come to know Him, you come to this place that is, wow, that is what I want. And don't forget the counting it as dumb part. So number one, eternal life is to know God. Number two, we need to value that. We need to value the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord. And if that's not going on, we've got to stop. And we've got to get to the place that we realign our values. How that happens, I don't know, but I think prayer would be a big part of it. All right, number three. This is another verse that, that I enjoy. Uh, Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. I'll read that one, and it'd be nice if you'd mark it. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, That I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. 
God delights, he jumps up and twists around because of loving kindness and judgment and righteousness. He loves these things. And every time you hear those things in relationship to each other, think of Jesus because the cross is what? It is loving kindness and righteousness because it fulfills judgment. God delighted in the cross. I know my father, he delights in loving kindness. He loved me enough to send his son. He loves judgment. Sin was dealt with in Christ. And three, he is righteous. He is the creator and he takes responsibility for what he created and he comes and he makes things right. Hallelujah. We glory in that. Now, it is very difficult for this group here to not glory in three things. Your riches, your power, and your wisdom. Y'all are smart people. And on a world level, you are wealthy out the wazoo. And you have the power to do exactly what you want to do when you want to do it. It is very hard for you to get into the kingdom. We were talking about Karl Marx. He had a PhD. Uh, he studied in Germany, in France. Uh, I don't know if we talked about Freud today, but he was a doctor. We had some PhDs in here. We got some doctors in here. That makes you wise and powerful. It's very hard for you to enter into the kingdom if you find your identity in those things. But, and not, it's not that just the PhDs and doctors are wise. Uh, in your own, in your own right, every person here uh, is is susceptible to being able to glory and finally making it. I, I see a room full of people who've made it. But that's not where our glory is. Our glory is in that we know God. Glory is to manifest the characteristics of the thing or the person that you want to exalt. We glory in that. Our desire is to be in the image of God the Father. That's where our joy is. That's where our life is. We take our wealth and we use it to do what God would do. We take our wisdom and we submit it to God in order to, to, to be what he wants us to be. We take our power and we do with it what God would do with it. At times laying it down so that we can be crucified because we glory in this. Love, mercy, righteousness, and judgment. And so I just encourage you, it's very, very, and in and, and, and trying to, to read a little bit to the way what, what Chad was teaching, uh, on a, a more simple level, it is very hard for us to not keep dumping our identity back over into the thing that we're striving to do, whether it's financial independence or a level of education, and to see that as the goal. But to understand that those giftings and that provision is nothing more 
than provision from God so that we can live this righteous life that glorifies or reflects him in the earth. So just make sure that we don't get caught up in all the wonderful success that God has given us. And we glory in this. Hey, we are a people who know our Father. And we are shaped and being shaped into His image. Alright, the last one, Daniel eleven thirty two, And this is another life verse for me. And I would encourage you to, to underline it. You've heard me talk about it too many times, but I'm going to do it again. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries. But the people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. Just... Just to make it short, Daniel was prophesying into a time that in some ways could be like ours, not in all ways, but there was going to be an opportunity for people to be flattered, to be given power, to be given wealth, um, to do what they thought was smart. But all of that was a flattery. A flattery is, it means to make smooth. It was, to, it was to smooth you away from God. And Daniel prophesied, he said, In that day, when you're wealthy, when you have opportunity to live your life, not out of wanting to see God exalted, but just finally having enough money, or just finally getting the degree I want, or just finally being able to do what I want to do. If you know God, you won't slip into it. But whatever God does in your life and through your life, you will continue to use it as an opportunity to know Him and walk in relationship with Him. It won't be the thing you want. It will be the thing you use to honor and glorify Him. Alright, so those four verses... If you don't mind, I, I would appreciate if you had them underlined in, in your Bible. And that kind of shaped a little part of your soul. Uh, this is eternal life that we might know Him. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Uh, I rest in my, my knowledge of God that, that He's full of loving mercy and justice and righteousness. And finally, and I believe this is true. I don't think we've been sucked in. I think we have lived Daniel 11.32. I believe we live in a time that's just what Chad said it was. And uh, we are a people who have not succumbed to that flattery. Uh, but we've been able to press in and know God. And this is where I think maybe um, it intersects even, even better uh, with what Chad was sharing about identity I don't know why I, we th this truth of being known is, is has always been a part of knowing God but the, uh, maybe three or four years ago I was reading through Galatians and this one just hit me how how connected it is this idea of if we know God we're known by God um, how be it then this is Galatians 4 8 and 9. Howbeit then, when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. But now, after that you have known God, or rather known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements? I, I wish I had time to go into the context uh, to give some deeper meaning to it. But just this whole idea that Paul is talking along, 
and he says, now after that you've known God, or really that you've been known by God. I, I like the way he connects it as, as, as almost interchangeable, that, that the two ideas are simultaneous. And uh, so as we know God, we realize that we are known by God. I am known by God. But what does that really mean? Does God only know me when I get saved? Does God only know me when I know Him? No, not really. He knows every person. But as I come to know God, as I am getting into relationship with the Father, I'm realizing that He knows me. Hello. God knows me. How many of you all know Darth Vader when he said, Luke, I am your father. Everybody know that line? That was not Darth Vader. It was in, in a book called, in a movie called Tommy Boy. And whoever the actor is, he was, he, he was one of these really stupid uh, Farley movies. What's that guy's first name? Yeah. And, and, and he was playing with a fan, you know, a fan was blowing into him. And he, and he goes, Luke, I am your father. But that's not really a line in the, in the movie. Uh, it, 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 the idea is there, but that's not really the line. But if you've seen that scene, it's all of a sudden, what happens to Luke when he realizes that Darth Vader is his father? turns his world upside down. Listen, when we realize that God is our Father, it turns our life upside down. When we realize the Father, of, not, not as a theological fact, but when, when we hear God say, I am your Father and I know you. I remember when I began to understand that my Father knew me, that's when I began to get to know myself. In knowing what my father knows about me, I know more about me than what I thought about me. Because my father had lived much longer than I had. There's so many things as I would get older and uh, simple things that I would realize, oh man, I wish I had listened to my father because he knew me and he knew where I needed to be, and he knew how I should get there. And as I came into it, it just, it just helped me realize that God knows me. I need to get to know him and understand what he says about me. That's my identity. That's who I am. That's the answer to everything. If everybody will get to know God, God already knows them, but they will become aware of that, and they will say, wow. God knows me intimately. 1 Corinthians 8, 3. Um, it's not what you know, but who knows you. It's not what you know, but who knows you. Now, as touching things offered unto idols, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. And if any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. But if any man 
love God the same as known of Him. Hallelujah. And again, it's not like God comes to know us when we love Him. It's we walk in this knowledge of God of ourselves when we love Him. So as, as we give everything up and desire to know Him, we become more and more aware of God's love for us. If you're going to glory in anything, glory in this, that God is full of tender mercy and love. And as you come to love Him, you come to know yourself more and more. That's the answer to who am I. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know, even as also I am known. 1 Corinthians 2, 9. I hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. But he has revealed it to us by his spirit. Hallelujah. In our great desire to know God, something wonderful happens. We come to know him and we begin to sit with him as our father. And he says, son, let me tell you about yourself. Let me tell you who you are and what you were created for. Sweetheart, come here. Just forget all of that psychological pain. <laughs> forget all of that striving to be in the image of that. Look at me. This is who you are. I've demonstrated who I am in my only son so you can see who you're supposed to be. Chad mentioned Psalms. Uh, it just so happens that out at uh, the Jessman church uh we are uh, we're memorizing psalm 139 and it says oh lord you have searched me and you have known me and at the end it says search me try me god you have known me and i like it god search me some more Hallelujah. And so we sing this song. God, you have searched me and you have known me. Hallelujah. You've known my inner workings. Hallelujah. There's no place I can go that you aren't there. If I go to the furthest corner of the ocean, you're there. There's not a word in my mouth uh, that I'm forming that you haven't already known. Oh, God, this is so good. Search me. Search me. There's the positive and there's the negative. Search me and see if there's wicked ways. But search me and show me who I am. To know God is to answer the question, who am I? It tells me who I am. All right. Two things. What needs to die and what needs to grow. Job finally saw God and then understood himself. And after that, he was twice the man he was before. Moses, who had killed one Egyptian, saw God in the burning bush and then eventually went and parted the sea that killed the whole Egyptian army. When Paul saw God, God told Ananias, 
Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And now, instead of killing Christians, he's multiplying Christians. As we come to know God, he reveals to us who we are and what we must do. And in that, we begin to follow him and no longer follow these manipulations of the world. And we see life just flourish all around us. We are centers of life that waters the world and causes it to come to fruition in the things that God wants it to be. So, number one, we need to know God. But number two, we need to realize that he knows us and let him talk to us about ourselves and just rest and bask in a father's love. Number three, knowing and being known in service to the brethren. It is really hard for a kid raised Pentecostal to preach to Presbyterians. But I'm gonna persevere. And I have a point down here, I think, yeah, point number four, I'll get you. So you may have caught it when, uh, when I was talking about Paul. Um, when he was confronted, even before he was saved, he said, arise and go to Damascus, and someone there will tell you how to become a Christian. Listen to this, Victor. Where's Victor? Arise and go, and someone will find you and tell you how to become a Christian. Oh, oh, wait, no, no. It says, Arise, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And when he gets there, he tells him that he must be an apostle to the Gentiles. Getting saved is not just a ticket to heaven. Getting saved is coming into the life that God intended for us. And that's specific, and that's real, and that's part of salvation. Paul went and he received from God the word, you're doing this, you should be doing this. And he was baptized, was born of the Spirit, and then began to do what he was supposed to do. And so I want to relate that to us as home fellowship leaders. Part of our coming into relationship with God is understanding who he's called us to be and now calling us to walk with him in it. This is another part of my, my growing up with my father. Uh, you know, he would go out and he would do things. And then sometimes uh, he, he would call me to come and do it with him. And as I would do it with him, I would come to understand him and us and our purpose. I remember one day we didn't have a fence stretcher. We had an old Alice Chandler's, uh, Chandler's uh, tractor. They were orange. It was a trike tractor, and, uh, and so Dad hooked the tractor up somehow to the fence, and uh, he started stretching it, and uh, he was having me drive. And uh, in that process, I, I just saw my dad's ability to get any job done that needs to be done. Uh, to work with him was like working with these, you know, you get these new, new guys, of course, JP, you get these new guys that come on the job, they got the new belt, the leather, the leather pouch 
And you know where I'm going with this, right? They've got the new laser level. And then you get this old guy who's got two bent nails and a string and a, and a, a wooden hammer. And he's built half the house and this guy's still setting up his laser level, you know? My dad had the two bent nails and the string. He was a can-do guy. I mean, he just totally amazed me at his ability to take nothing and make something out of it. Um, but it was in working with him. I mean, I would see things, you know, I would see a new addition on the house. Oh, there's a new addition on the house. I would see a pool house. But then when I got involved with that, and we were building those things together, I saw his capacity and his ability, and he brought it out of me as I worked with him. Seeing the thing and being thankful for it, well, that's great. But being brought into it with my father and walking it out. So when you come into the kingdom, he's got a house to build. And he's giving you a part to play, and he calls you to do it. There's a... Um, I, ha I have it written here. Oh, oh, yeah. When he called the disciples, he said, follow me and you will be saved. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Isaiah saw the Lord finally way down in his ministry, high and lifted up. And it was in the midst of a call. Who will go for me? And what does Isaiah say? When he sees the Lord in a deepening way, send me. Let me participate with you. To the rich young ruler, he said, you want to participate in me? Do this. And we cannot forget our Lord <laughs> who learned obedience through the things that he suffered, even death on the cross. And that's in the context of a chapter that's talking about God's fatherhood in the life of Jesus. Don't see what God's called you to do as a home fellowship leader or part of the team as a thing you do. You have got to see it as this. Your opportunity to come along beside your father and find out who you really are as you discover who he is as we labor together to see people who have been destroyed by culture birthed again and then we begin to nurture the life of God in them so he slowly conforms them in, into the image of his son. The quote at the bottom of your, your uh, note says, nothing in this manual serves any good purpose apart from the fundamental truth. No, it doesn't say that. Somebody read it. I don't have the notes. What does it say? <laughs> that very last quote on your notes. Somebody read it out loud. Go ahead. If I can just get through these five points in every home group meeting, then I've achieved my goal. Nope. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> it's not doing these things. It's participating with God as he does something. You understand the difference? It's not doing it for God. It's doing with God. And if it becomes something you must do to be a good home fellowship leader or to be part of the team or to be able to say, yes, I did that, you're really missing the whole purpose. Each part has got to be a place where you see God wants to do this. He's called you along beside him. And you've got to see God in it. 
and you've got him to let him speak to you about it. All right. When we begin to think, if I can just get these five points, then I have achieved. Uh, then I have achieved. We've eaten of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When we reduce it to something we do to feel good about what we did, that is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We think we've got it. We can do it. That fixes it. No. This thing we do must be eating of God. It must be participating in Him. And it is a wonderful way to live. So let me give you five things that I think are extremely important for you to make a part of your arsenal of weapons in in discipling other people. Number one, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. To do something to the glory of another is to do it in a way that the person's character and nature is exhibited through that act. In other words, everything you do on behalf of your responsibility in caring for others, make sure you're wanting to manifest God through this so that God is seen more fully in who he is, his mercy, his goodness, his righteousness. I am extending the righteousness of God as I call everybody to make sure they know when the meeting is supposed to happen. All right, number two, call God Father and seek to know him better every day. Call God Father and seek to know him better every day. Number three, fellowship with Christ. Contemplate his final act of obedience in being a mature son and allow him to show you how to walk with the Father doing the same. Fellowship with Christ. Contemplate his final act of obedience in becoming a mature son and allow him to show you how to walk with the Father in the same. Hallelujah. Number four. Is this number four? Where's Melanie? She keeps me in line. Number four. I believe that this is extremely important. Pray in tongues as much as you can. Pray in tongues as much as you can. And if you can't pray in tongues, groan. And I'm serious. Get past your brain and get into the Spirit and let God God pray through you back to Himself to do spiritual things that you might not even know what's going on. Romans 8, 26 through 30. This is in the context. You know, you know what this is in the context of, Romans 8? It's all of creation is groaning for something. You know what all of creation is groaning for? It says it's groaning for us to be manifest as the sons of God. The world has fallen, it knows it. And it's crying out, Will you sons of God finally manifest yourself in the image of the Father? Here it says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought. 
But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those that he predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Hallelujah. The world is crying out. It's our job to mature. We seek God. We desire to know God. But the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit knows what's in the mind of God. And in our inner man, we can manifest a prayer to God with just a groan. Isn't that amazing? A groan can be as powerful as a PhD. A simple child crying out to the Father releases a power that's greater than anything that Einstein could have ever imagined. Cry out to God in the Spirit. And you don't have to understand it all. Your mama told you to make your bed, take out the garbage, uh, uh, eat your vegetables, do your homework. And all you saw was a bed to be made, vegetables to eat, and homework to do. But she saw a healthy, sanitary, educated child who achieved something. Her purposes you didn't understand. They were just things mom made you do. Listen, God has a lot of things that he's called us to do. And as we give ourselves to that, he is perfecting his work in us. And so now, just very quickly, uh, I think somewhere in your manual, uh, maybe the back, flip over to the back. It's page uh, 11, 12, 13, 11, 12, and 13. How many of you all have a copy of these cards? Raise your hand if you have a packet of these cards. Raise it real high. Raise your hand if you don't. These cards in a little clear packet. Okay. Um, I've lived by these for the last 30 years. Uh, thankfully, the last 10 years it's been because... Jordan knows where they are and she can make new ones. Uh, this is sort of a synopsis of your, of your manual, the leader's manual. Uh, but all of the things that we talk about doing to be successful in the thing that God's called us to do, if they ever boil down to something you have to do and it's just rote, uh, then it really is death. So what I would like to encourage you to do uh, over this week and next week is is come to these cards and then figure out how each one of them is intended first of all for you to come to know God okay uh, well, well we'll just do one of them somebody choose one of them you'd like to do any, any of those pages choose one of the cards and just give me the title
Say that again. Oh, that one's easy. Five areas of ministry. Look at that one. So, as a home fellowship leader, it is it is your responsibility to make sure that everything you do in your home fellowship, the purpose of it is to know God. Number one, you bring people together, and in that home group, you're supposed to cultivate fellowship and encouragement. Well, that's easy. How do you come to know God in that? A lot of ways. <laughs> I remember last year at the end of, I think it was Chad's teaching, Brenda raised her hand and talked about the personalities. Does anybody remember that? The personalities that you have in, uh, in home groups, the negative ones like sleepers, um, uh, the know-it-alls, the, I don't remember the names on them, but it was people that every week you know this is what's going to happen. Guess what? God is wanting you to get to know him. God put that person in your home fellowship so you could understand his heart toward them and what he wants to do in order to bring them into the maturity of, of being sensitive to the group. That is your opportunity to get to know the Father. The Father can do it. And so you have to press into him and find out how to do it. And so, and we can do that with each one of these. You can meet God. You can see it as a problem, or you can see it as an opportunity. An opportunity to press in and say, Father, how do you handle a guy that wants to talk just to hear himself talk? It might be hard what he calls you to do. The worst thing he could do is call you to just listen. I hope he doesn't do that. So do you see how you can come to know God in the challenge of creating encouragement? All right, leadership and ministry. Okay, we're always encouraging you to find an assistant and disciple somebody with him. That's a very difficult task, but Jesus gave that as a commission to all of us, so it pulls it down and identifies it, and we would like to avoid that. But when it's brought before us as something that God says, this is what I've called you to do, it's not, oh, I've got to do this. It's, Father, <laughs> let me press into you. Let me find, help me do this. Let me see how you want to bring this person into discipleship and give me wisdom. And you press in and you reach out and you come to know God. And now you're doing this with the Father. So now instead of having this list of stuff that hangs over your head that you have to do, you have these invitations of the Father to come and participate with him in his discipleship of the people that he's put and care of the people he's put in your group. Accountability, same thing. Accountability, knowing God is to know ourselves. Hallelujah. Accountability is so easy to, to parallel because as you go into accountability... A lot of times God will speak through other people so you can really know yourself. It's the process. So do you see how you could go through all of these cards that talk about the things you need to do as a home fellowship leader? And really each of these things is the thing you need to do to come to know the Father and to let Him show you who you are more fully. 
Well, of course, this applies in every area of life, and I hope you live uh, by this teaching. But I wanted to come, give it again, wear you out with it, and then draw your attention to, as a home fellowship leader, this is your opportunity to really get to know the Father. All right, I'm done. Any, any questions or thoughts or additions, corrections? Number five. Oh, oh, thank you very much, Melanie. Here's the number five. Pull out the one another document and walk through the above steps with each of the one another's. The one another document is on the, the web page, and it's the things that we are to do to one another. We have to meet God. <laughs> it's not do these things and be a great home fellowship. It's if you read them all and you apply it consistently to every person you meet, there's going to be a bunch of them you can't do. And you got to come to the Father. And you got to find His grace and you got to find His life in it. So number five is, is to apply this teaching to the one another document as well as the five cards. Anything... What's that? Number three, fellowship with Christ. Contemplate his final act of obedience in being a mature son and allow him to show you how to walk with the Father in the same. Hallelujah. All right, no, no questions? No additions? No subtractions? All right. Well, Matt. Can you, can you, can you, can you start over and talk with your preaching voice? Yes, thank you. Anybody else? All right. Let's, uh, I don't know, you look shell-shocked. <laughs> Did he just say the same thing he said last year? <laughs> All right. Um, Chad, any other thing? Ben, any other thing? No? 
All right. Well, it's a it's a good week. End. Uh, I'll be in Lexington tonight with the crew, um, and uh, Ben is going to share tonight, and he is excited as he heard the first couple of teachings. He says, "Oh wow! Oh wow! Oh wow!" And uh, so that means that uh, whatever God has given him, just uh, in His words, chiastically fulfills uh, the weekend. So. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody want to uh, end us in prayer or send us off in prayer? <coughs> Any meetings you guys need to announce before we get out of here? Ben, do you, do you all have a meeting? Yeah, we, we uh, sent out the text. Okay. Chad, do your people know when, where, or if? For here. For here. Uh, LCF, did Bill get that sent out? Yeah, yeah? okay. Uh, two o'clock here. Uh, get uh, get lunch and then get here. All right. Uh, wait a minute. One thirty. I think there's a two o'clock women's meeting. No. All right. Two o'clock here. LCF and uh, the JCF home group. I would like for somebody to really pray. I'd like for somebody to to just grab where we are right now and take us before God. Um, Is there anybody here that just you have a sense of, yes, God's among us. We're plugging through this and, uh, and we need to touch him. Anybody? Come on, Zach. Hold on to your seats. Come on up, Zach. I just want to say before I pray that um, the last leaders retreat and this leaders retreat, it's almost like the whole leadership team has just been giving teachings that would hold my home group's hand as we mature as a home group. And so it's just been really awesome. Uh, God is really knowing us as a home group and walking with us. Um, I just want to praise him for that personally and that he's doing that here um, in, all, in all of our home groups. God, thank you um, uh, that you call us to know you uh, through your son, Jesus, that doing so is eternal life, that you prayed and prophesied in your high priestly prayer, your very will for every age in the earth. And Lord, that your will in that prayer is being manifest among us daily as we know you more deeply in one another. And as we even know you in the broken men and women that we come across, as we see uh, little sparks of your divinity in them and call upon you to save them, not from hellfire alone, um, but that you would save that divinity and do a creative work in them as you simultaneously do an everlasting creative work in us, making us like your very self. So we praise you, Lord God, that you are in our midst. We praise you, Lord God, that you know us so intimately and that who you are, Lord God, unfolds in our very being as we know one another, as we become the church, as you, Christ, are 
reflected and shown in surprising ways in surprising in surprising people. Um, Lord, we ask that you prepare us and fill us with hope, not optimism or pessimism, for what you're going to do this weekend, for whatever the culminating uh, message is for, for each family, each church, each home group, each individual. And Father, that we would receive it. Father, that the word um, would go deep and take root. And Father, that it would not return void, but that it would accomplish that for which you sent it for. In this whole year, Father God, we praise you, Lord God. We anticipate uh, the fulfillment of your will, um, the perfecting of each, of each of us in Christ. Thank you that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever, Lord Jesus. And that you really do finish that which you start. And Father, if there's ever a pause or a hiatus or we feel that you are far off, we know that in those times you are completing a work that you set yourself to and that you've given to your people. So we say, come, Lord Jesus, fulfill your purposes this weekend. Uh, and fulfill your purposes uh, in this year, Lord God. Amen.